Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 24. In this episode, I'm joined for the first time in depth by my wife. So this podcast consists of myself, my wife, Nicole, and also our mutual friend, Dan. My wife is a health coach, and so we spend our time together talking about chronic health issues, food choices, specifically the advantages of a whole foods over processed foods diet, as well as intermittent fasting and some other health-related things. So if that sounds interesting to you, give it a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Yeah. Whoa, I'm usually the one who's supposed to ask how everyone's doing. <laughs> Come on, Dan, throwing took... off the formula. The formula. The <laughs> uh, yeah. We doing well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty well. Sun's this is out. our... Sun's out, guns out. Uh, <laughs> this is our second podcast ever with a female voice mm. on it. So, uh, you know... It's historic. Yeah. Well, you know, the first one was, but... Like, you know, no one remembers the second female prime minister of Australia, but everyone knows. Oh, I really wish that I could have pulled a name like that. Like, I wish I knew. Like, I was hoping you would say, like, a second female of something that could be like, oh, you mean this person? I was really hoping to be able to do that. Second female prime minister of Britain, but everyone knows Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher. But I thought that isn't the second prime minister of Britain, Theresa May? Or no? Shh, no one knows her. Shh, we know that's okay. I don't know, Teresa May. But I was there for that first podcast for the first hour. Yeah, you were there, and then you decided you were bored and didn't want to be there anymore. No, I decided that it smelled like mold, and I didn't want to sit in there. <laughs> you don't like being in our shed because you think it has a negative impact on your health. Hey, that's a segue. Ooh, yeah, there we well go. How about uh, that? Yeah. So Nicole is here joining us mm-hmm. uh, because she's a health... I think she styles herself as a priestess uh, or a guru, mm-hmm. which my... is a, a guru is a priestess. Right? What's, what's my priest. proper title? Your proper title is Mrs. Bergner. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't see how you would say no to that. What is my professional you're, title? You're a health coach. Mm-hmm. Nicole Bergner, the health coach or the gut detox coach. Yeah. Right? Very good. Uh, on Instagram. He listens. Yeah. Uh, you're one of the two people that I technically follow, even though I never go on Instagram. Who's the second one? Uh, our youth group's Instagram page that I also never uh, log in and look at their stuff. You don't even follow our church? Nope. Oh, boy. I don't believe in churches having Instagram pages. Yeah, well, I started so. that one up. Are you not, like, working with it anymore? Uh, I was yeah, supposed to post yesterday. yesterday. I was supposed to post mm. Friday. I was going to do it yesterday. I forgot. I don't know. Mm. Tough. 13 people. Didn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> so tell us about health. Yeah. Make us, make us healthy. Yeah. You, ha- you are interested in talking about specifically health and chronic illness and kind of where it comes from, right? That's one of your passions. Yes. Yeah. So something that we find ourselves in right now is that we are in pandemic and I'm not talking about COVID um basically a pandemic of chronic health issues chronic illness you're saying America uh the world at large yeah the world you know you you get a lot of people in America but there are other people outside um 
and it's it's never just one thing you know but <sighs> okay so first kind of defining what what i mean by chronic illness cancer yes autoimmune disease yes but then you get things like um ibs and that could be people with you know because this is where it starts bloating constipation diarrhea acid reflux you get people with blood sugar issues blood pressure issues and these are like the mild symptoms and i always like to equate it to a baby crying so when you have a baby they cry what do you do you try and figure out why they're crying right mm -hmm. oh yeah sure that's right well yeah okay so are they hungry you know do they need a diaper change do they just need to be cuddled do they need to be burped and you figure it out and they stop crying so then we get older and our bodies cry in these ways these symptoms so high blood pressure high blood sugar mm -hmm. you know ibs um you know chronic pain restless legs restless leg syndrome i mean that mm -hmm. is a that is a thing um but these are all symptoms and our bodies are crying out in this way so we never really think oh why we just think oh well this is my body this is a problem and mm -hmm. sometimes we think maybe it's because of our diets but we don't diet and exercise that's that's mm -hmm. what it usually comes down to but it's never just that and so that's where i'm saying like we are babies kind of crying out like these are symptoms we need to figure out the source but we don't we just kind of put a band-aid on it we mm -hmm. just kind of mitigate it we, we try and like push it to the side you can't do that with a baby you do that with a baby they're gonna what so you would say it's not even majoritally um diet and well i wouldn't i wouldn't really say exercise but that it, that is not majority diet related uh that's part of it but it's not all you would say it's not the majority of mm -hmm. factors Okay, so probably the majority. Okay. Well, so you have to lay the baseline. Mm -hmm. Whenever I, you know, so I'm saying it's not just diet and exercise, but if you aren't implementing a good diet, I mean, that's that's number one. Mm -hmm. Because... Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like diet's the most foundational thing to whatever it is that you're yeah. going to be dealing with. Yeah, and we all know exercise is good and healthy and important, but there are some people who have certain autoimmune diseases that if they push their body even just a little bit like they cause a flare and so mm -hmm. they they really have to focus on mitigating that flare mitigating the inflammation mm -hmm. before they can even think about exercising mm -hmm. we all need to eat you know i mean mm -hmm. we all need to move um but mm -hmm. you know it's it's what are our priorities so diet mm -hmm. is is first and um you know here here i could divulge you guys um or divulge the whole uh topic of diet in the united states um it's a problem because okay sad the sad they say the sad diet it's standard american diet it's not sad diet it's not like the, the fat sad diet the sad <laughs> diet um it is refined sugars refined carbs you know processed foods mm -hmm. uh high fat and high starch combined um and just, you know, different uh, additives, preservatives, uh, pesticides, herbicides. Vegetable oils. Vegetable oils, mm -hmm. yeah. We, we have all of these, all of these poor quality foods that we eat and it manifests itself in poor health. So, mm -hmm. you know, something you want to always focus on is a whole foods diet. Um, if we're looking, and, and I mean, even, even past the grain. So when we think whole foods, you're probably thinking, well, maybe I should ask you guys. When, when I say whole foods diet, what does that mean to you? A whole wheat bagel. Hmm. No. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like my answers are going to be biased because I have been part of 
Nicole's wonderful, encouraging, and equipping um, coaching. So I feel like I had a leg up on this question. So this I was gonna say, podcast is brought to you by Nicole yeah. Bridgner's Gut Detox Program. I mean, without shame, I'll say, if you, if whoever's listening, they're lo- like one thing, like look Nicole up. It is, it's worthwhile. It's, it's really helpful. It helped me out a great deal. But so I'll say, let's have. Well, I'm just say, Travis, name a few more things. So I feel like. Well, when I when I think of whole foods, or really what I. Um, Maybe it's not just what I think of, but maybe just what I think is ideal and the way that I talk about it is foods that are foods, you know, so like a banana or a a, a potato mm-hmm. or a whatever. And, you know, you can talk about whatever non-GMO, non, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pesticide free or whatever, but just, you know, there's no Dorito tree and there's no, mm. you know, yet, we're Jolly Rancher bush or something. What's that? So, yeah, we're, we're working on it, but we don't Yeah, one day. We have the technology now. Um, yeah, the foods that are foods is the big thing. Just foods that you actually find mm-hmm. growing out of the ground, or like they're an animal or whatever. Um, I will. I will say like what I used to think well, when I heard people talk about like whole foods diet. I thought it meant like a special type of like only certain types of food. Like mm-hmm. it was like you could only eat like superfoods or specialty yeah. types of food. But like only like, SIE like berries. Wholesome, and, wholesome foods. Diet. Yeah. yeah. And like, like, yeah, like really, really specific about like what kind Super of food you could diet. eat. Yeah. And they couldn't yeah. eat most of that. And to, to be like, oh, it's, it's anything. Like my mind first was when you asked that it's broccoli just because it's my absolute favorite. So I'm like, what's the first thing I think of? Like broccoli. So I always want mm. broccoli. Uh-huh. Um, so Especially when you roast broccoli, or... get it crispy. Broccoli. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Was I right? Um, foods that are foods. Yeah, yeah. So anything really that doesn't have an ingredient label. Mm-hmm. I mean, rice can have an ingredient label, just but take off the ingredient label. But if you if if you look at the ingredient label, it just says rice. You know, like mm-hmm. there's there's nothing else added. Coconut oil is just coconut oil. Sweet potatoes mm-hmm. they don't even have an ingredient label. You know, mm-hmm. um, whole foods. So like anything in the produce section. Yeah. It's going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, like the lettuce and fruits and veggies and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 That's the way I thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. So fruits and vegetables, you know, meats, um, poultry and meat and poultry are two different things. Um, but even like, well, you know, rices or grains that are whole. Yeah. You're saying. Yeah. Right? Now I, I, um, would you include like cornmeal on that? Non-GMO. Yeah. You uh, could. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We'll, we'll focus. We're going to focus a lot on, on just diet in this talk because there's just mm-hmm. there's just so much to it um you could include cornmeal i mean it's processed but it's ground yeah it's right? ground it's, just it's ground. weird that grinding something and processing it yeah like you use the word process for both even though one you could literally take a mortar and pestle and it's like now this is ground yeah corn. exactly ground peppercorns or ground yeah. flax seeds yeah. like if you just put it in the, the mm-hmm. coffee grinder does that make it less whole mm-hmm. like when i use almond flour to bake with and like like flip over the package that i get and read the ingredients it's just Ground ground almonds, almonds that have been finely ground up, and there's nothing else added to it. So I'm like, well, this still technically would be a whole thing. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. Like it's just yeah. they put it in a mill, and it's from a company that I really love because they're out in um, Portland, Oregon. So I'm like, oh, I can get it out here. It's Bob's Red Mill. That stuff mm. is great. And I used to live right. I used to live like I used to live like five minutes from the mill too. So it's kind of neat to yeah. When I was up in Portland, <gasps> so I'm just sweet. like, yeah, it's good stuff. That's yeah. sweet. So I've got to I've got to look up this guy's name, but when there are different types of whole foods diets. So this one, and I, I love this one, but not everybody's body can accept it, um, is fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. um, nuts and seeds, meats, poultry, whole fat, full fat rather, um, organic raw dairy. Full fat, organic raw dairy. Yeah, and we'll, we'll delve okay. into that in a sec. Um, That's like, actually something I am wanting to try more, is raw dairy. 
Mm. It's crazy expensive, though, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it like twenty dollars for a gallon? Of Unless you get a cow. I mean, depends on the cow. Oh yeah, <laughs> you just have yeah. to have well, a cow. My grandparents Cows were dairy farmers, cheap. so they're like, yeah. It's... But then that's also why I never drank dairy because mom was like, I grew up on the dairy farm. I don't want to. It grosses me out. Yeah. So we huh. didn't we didn't grow up drinking dairy. So I think that's part of the reason why it was really mm-hmm. easy for me to. I don't know if this is a tangent. It's really easy for no, me to get on dairy. Which was super helpful. Was just Podcast that is ninety percent tangents. Mm-hmm. So, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But cool. Yeah, and there's and also I was talking about this a little earlier. There's specifically for like the whole dairy thing. It's like now is a great time because there's so many great dairy alternatives. Um, like uh, I love fancy coffee. I love mm-hmm. coffee places. And oat milk behaves very like Bruce has talked about how oat milk behaves very similarly mm-hmm. to regular dairy. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because they've tried almond, they've tried coconut, but now oat milk is the preferred one because it froths up and the protein is thick enough that it mimics milk almost perfectly. And I tried it the other day and it's like beautiful. For a, like for a macchiato. Yeah, macchiato for coffee. It's beautiful the way it was done. Hmm. So, and I'm like, that's great because I don't want to do dairy. Hmm. I want this drink so I might let myself do dairy, but I don't want it. And then oat milk, perfect. Was there, was there sugar in it? There was not. Really? Is oat milk? Oh, I didn't check if the the, the oat milk. I meant like I thought you meant the drink that I got. Yeah, the milk itself. The milk, maybe. That's always so hard. Maybe, is but otherwise the whole drink was sugar. expensive? What mm. is oat milk like more expensive than almond milk, or I feel like it would be less expensive since it's a cereal. I think the it's ones a I've seen a about the same because oat milk does seem to me to be the best of the milk alternatives. Mm-hmm. You know, In flavor. I don't know. Maybe it's just I've only had it like a very limited number of times. When have you had oat milk? A very limited number of times <laughs> before we got well, Let's see. It was Saturday. Nineteen. Well, uh, I, I don't remember you ever drinking yeah. oat milk before. So yeah, mm. I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. So going back, reel ourselves in. So whole foods. So then you get legumes that are soaked, um, maybe sprouted. Nuts and seeds that are soaked and sprouted. So like mm-hmm. the food is prepared properly. You know the grains are. Um, they can be soaked too, because there's a thing called like phytic acid, and um, they can cause things like leaky gut, or they can bind to minerals, but. Uh, that's that's and when you sprout them they're less yeah, likely to do yeah, that. Yeah, if you add like whey or if you add um apple cider vinegar or lemon juice, something acidic, it can like pull that off. Lectins mm-hmm. you'll hear about. You know, you, you get a lot of different diets. People will say, you know, the blood type diet, the lectin free diet, the the mm-hmm. GAPS diet, paleo diet, pull thirty, you know, keto, whole foods, the, this other guy. Mm-hmm. There are so many the diets South out Beach there. Diet. Yeah. And I will mm-hmm. never say that they're like one is you know one diet is great for everyone because everyone's body is so different. But I think that for a template that like this, this is really good. And you're you saying can, whole foods. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And you can figure foods out that are foods. Yeah. And you can figure out, okay, well I don't do well with these grains, but I do do well with, mm-hmm. the, you know, not, not well with corn or oats um, or gluten. Those are typically cross reactive rice. People can do really well with rice. And what mm-hmm. I mean by cross reactive is like uh, if you have an issue with gluten, so wheat is a problem. Corn might also be a problem. Yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. my also be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so. I mean, I get that they're all grains, but mm-hmm. it just seems like they should be different enough. Yeah. But. but here's the problem. So, have you guys ever had a friend? They have issues with gluten. They go over to France or Italy, and they can eat like all the bread or cannolis, and they have no issue. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't. Really? But from you, I have heard okay. of that. Yeah. Because you talked about when you went to France and. You know, you ate the bread and the dairy there and everything. And it was I could assume, I could like, I can easily see why from just thinking mm-hmm. about it. Why? 
I would think because of the ingredients, it's going to be less processed. Mm-hmm. That's my, that would be my, the first thing that would pop into my head. Um, and I think, and they're going to, at least for me, the only place I've been is Germany. I haven't been to France. And everything is much less sweetened. So there's a lot less mm-hmm. sugar added and things. Like the, the, mm-hmm. their, cake, their cakes are going to be more, not more savory, bread, but, yeah. but it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be more bready to us because like, oh, we're expecting this to be like such a huge hit Decadent, of sugar. You don't know yeah. what, like your eyes dilate like it's yeah. it's like very modestly <laughs> sweet um so that that would be the first things i would think of but i don't know if there's another reason yeah mm. yeah uh that, that just has me thinking. yeah yeah well i'm slight tangenting just makes me mm-hmm. think of so when i did go to italy and france i went for like nine mm-hmm. days right out of um high school and I had gelato like every day and i'm just mm-hmm. thinking you know these people are having cannolis and gelato but mm-hmm. like they're pretty thin and they're walking everywhere Mm-hmm. you know yeah so, that's another thing our cities are built for cars yeah in america mm-hmm. because our cities were created most of them after the invention of the car so like kissimmee mm-hmm. where we live i mean you can go what how how far is four corners from like where we are and you're in kissimmee and i'm in kissimmee but it's probably a 45 50 minute yeah. drive and with traffic it's going to be around 45 yeah. minutes maybe a half hour on mm. without traffic yeah mm. and also the american car culture like mm. it's it's seen as if you don't have a car it's kind of seen as less than like you want a car like that's ideal for at least i feel like that, yeah. that's kind of way it's pushed is like mm-hmm. you want to have a car it's good to have cars like we love we love our cars mm. um whereas it's not that odd yeah because i think i'm trying to think i think my family members that are in germany maybe one of them has a car but mm. otherwise like they don't have it they all they, they the, bike well, the, they walk. The village that they're in is you can yeah. walk the whole village. Yeah. So you don't need to... It's it's almost like the, the villages or the cities are... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but more akin to like a college campus. Mm-hmm. Where I'm, it's I'm, like it was yeah. built before cars. So if people are walking or maybe on horseback... You take the train somewhere? Like what if you want to go on vacation? If, if you're going, going out of town, they'll yeah. take the train. Okay. They'll take trains, they'll take buses. But From like city to as city. far as their day-to-day... And this, this isn't going to help like everybody on the podcast. But as far as their day-to-day, like... The village that my family lives in is called Bergstahl. It's near Stuttgart. Um, it's about it's about the size of downtown celebration. Like think about that oh, everyone's wow. living right yeah. there. And so you can you just and they all have houses around. And mm-hmm. then so the way it's built is everyone is inside this circle where all the city mm-hmm. like all the you know, you got the downtown, you got the church, and then all the houses are all in that. And then the farms are all circled around that mm-hmm. city. Yeah. So your yeah. farm is your house isn't on your farm. You have you own your plot of farm that you farm and then you walk to that. Mm-hmm. But it's all lined up on this person's this plot of land, this person's that plot of land, and then the city's in the middle. And the reason that was done was back um, in the Middle Ages, you you pooled together yep. for defense. Mm. You know, you, I mean, that's even before yeah. the Middle Ages, even. Like, yeah, that's exactly. Just a human thing. And so for there, that's the way cities. cities yeah. That's the way cities built up was because you all needed to be next to each other to defend yourself against whatever raiding villages mm-hmm. would be next door that might attack you. Whereas now it's like hun. the likelihood of you know the likelihood of people up in you know, like Sanford coming down and raiding Kissimmee, it's very, very low. So it's like, I mean, we can we're be, ready for them. Yeah, we, yeah, that's true. But for us, we don't really need that, you know, all together wall around the city kind of thing. But mm-hmm. it was, it was so nice. Like, I wish that there could be a situation because I I'm, don't really have a heart to like move over a year, but I wish there was a situation <laughs> like that because it was so convenient. Was, just be homage. You could have a full house and yet still be walking distance from them. Mm. And they don't have, uh, an all-stop shop place. It's a, mm. They have their butcher, their specialized butchery, and their baker. 
the, and then they have the, like the a general maker. like they, and they have like an Aldi they have a general yeah. store so they have huh. it's all special I'm like I love that so yeah. you go for your meats you go to the deli counter you get your salamis yeah. and all that stuff then you go to the baker who just bakes and that's all yeah. he does yeah. I love that wow I miss it's like man Publix and places like that have really mm-hmm. done such an interesting thing by bringing all of the the grocery shopping Mm-hmm. You know, you have your box goods and everything in the middle, but then it's like you you can walk from your I don't know fishmonger <laughs> straight to the to the deli counter to mm-hmm. the bakery to the mm-hmm. the dairy. Mm-hmm. And not to get on a whole different topic of food justice, but that's also caused some issues because mm-hmm. a lot of these big market big chain stores put all their stuff into one shop and it was super convenient. And they put the mom and pop local grocery stores out of business mm-hmm. in local places. And then they moved. And they're mm-hmm. still doing this right now. They're moving out to, to cheaper land mm-hmm. further out in the suburbs. So they're mm-hmm. no longer in these downtown districts. And now, like, now this is something I was uh, working on when I was in Louisville. Down, Louisville is um, food insecure in some places. Louisville are food deserts where you, the closest fresh food you have within a two-mile radius is a Rite Aid. Like, hmm. that's where you, that people who don't have a car who rely mm-hmm. on, like, maybe bus transportation like within walking distance to their house the fresh food they have available is canned foods from a dollar store mm. and so now there, there's these new this new phenomenon of food insecurity where they you normally went to just a local grocery that had something mm-hmm. those are now gone and these stores go out and so all the people in the suburbs who have cars and their lifestyles are different can just drive out you know to kroger or something like that but people in the inner city their options are you know going to uh like Dairy Queen or McDonald's, and that's the I, only thing they have. I know I've heard the term before, but do you have like a textbook definition of food desert? I don't know as far as textbook. What I've heard, and I'm gonna, I might get the numbers wrong, but uh, food insecure is within a certain mile radius of you having access to fresh. If you have it fresh access to fresh produce within a certain mile radius, the FDA's definition of fresh produce is a can of green. Beans. I was gonna say like even canned would yeah. be on the fresh. Yeah. So that's what they're saying is as you have access to produce. Oh, so like a Seven Eleven could count, and wow. then food and then food desert is where you don't even have that within a couple mile radiuses. Wow. Where like you might have like a convenience store, but they just have donuts and mm-hmm. you know like Swisher mm-hmm. sweets. Like that's what you have access to. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that we were. One of the it's things the, that we were doing and that I... The essentials. With, Donuts yeah. and Swisher Sweets. So one of the things we were doing that I partnered with an organization that saw that and they wanted to help with it is they partnered with local organic farms in the area with the farmers, incentivized them by paying them up front. So instead of coming to a farmer's market where they might sell everything that they were giving to us, where they, we had already purchased, and then we would go to spots in Louisville that were food deserts, that were food insecure. There was one that was uh, we hosted at our church and so we did for all those people in New Albany who were in a uh, food insecure area, set up a farmer's market where people bought shares like a co-op. Mm-hmm. So you bought a share, you got an automatic amount of food. Mm-hmm. So you got like eight share, like if you bought one share or two shares, like one share meant you got like two tomatoes, you got two, two shares, you get four tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And like there were about 12 to 13 food, food items, all fresh produce, all organic produce. Awesome. And the way that it would work is if you were low income, you paid 20. If you were high, or no, if you were low income, you paid 12. Mm-hmm. If you were high income, you paid uh, 25 if you wanted to support a share by like donating when you pay 40 and then mothers on food stamps paid six 
hmm. and it all equaled out because of donors and so it was a way to get yeah. fresh produce in the hands of people who wow. don't have money for it nice. it was awesome hmm. physical i think that was probably where my like love of fresh produce might have started where was that did you say uh that's mm. in uh um southern indiana kentucky okay it's so an organization we partnered with and I, the vision was great oh. So cool. And it forced me to start playing around with veggies that I wouldn't normally do because I would buy I would buy one share for myself and I get all this stuff and be like okay what I've is got I, yeah I've got like I've got like these weird like multicolored beets things like what do I do with these or I've got mm. like there was some veggies that I had never seen before and uh-huh. beautiful stuff I I kind of miss that getting my share every so often I would I'm like oh so many tangents I I used to help out with a mm-hmm. CSA and I would mm-hmm. just get the free share because I mm-hmm. volunteered. We're down in St. Cloud. It was great. Oh, awesome great. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's go back to, to mm-hmm. the wheat because I, I didn't actually wheat. answer that. Well, grains. So here in the United States, we have a high mycotoxin count in our grains, in our chocolate, our coffee, and I think wine mm, and coffee. beer. Yeah. So mm. what that means is the mold count is higher. Mm-hmm. Our standards are, are not as strict as other countries. Uh, so in terms of what we use to process all of those goods and what we use to um, to grow them and then also just what levels we allow in mold, like mm-hmm. we have less restriction, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, that okay. was a bit of a list. Um, so mold causes a lot of health issues for people. And some people actually have genes where they don't react to mold. So you mm-hmm. can have mold in the house, they have no issues. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in, you just let it keep going. Yeah. yeah no. But uh, in general, yeah, if it gets bad enough, then it could cause a problem. Um, in general, mold is an issue for people. Mm-hmm. And when you're consuming mold, you know, mm-hmm. or you're consuming, you know, with with, with grains like mm-hmm. pesticides and herbicides because they're non-GMO and they're not organic. Or sorry, they're GMO and they're organic. You know what I'm trying GMO, to say? GMO, non-organic. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we're consuming them we get these pesticides and these herbicides in our bodies and all of these are stressors and uh, other countries don't really have this or they have very mm-hmm. few levels of them. And so that's why you go to France you're like, yeah, I can, I can mm-hmm. eat this. It's, it's a lower mycotoxin count. It's a, it's not as sprayed as much as it is in the United States. Mm-hmm. So your body's able to, you know, process it. And, and people who have celiac, tend to have celiac not always but because of the the gmo additives. status because yeah. of the, the mm-hmm. pesticides and the, the herbicides additives additives are more something put into the product to help it become more shelf stable so that's like you'll see that in the ingredient list okay mm-hmm. yeah does that make sense yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's that's why you know grains aren't the best here mm-hmm. um okay so I think we've covered like little whole foods. Oh, and good oils, good oils. Mm-hmm. Vegetable oil is not vegetable oil. It's 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 mm. crap oil. Um, you want like olive oil, coconut oil, you know, avocado oil. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a quick aside. Does all does coconut oil have a very low like smoke point? I feel like I heated it too hot and it burnt started burning. Um, it has a moderate smoke point. I think it's because it started like having like little black bits that it was. I feel yeah, like I overheated yeah, that's it. that's when you wanna that's when you wanna um. Honestly, I think the highest smoke point oil-based product, if you'll say, is like beef tallow or lard. Okay. Um, I use ghee a lot. I feel like that's a pretty high smoke point one. Yeah. Oh, you use ghee? Mm-hmm. Not butter? No. Do you find a difference between the two? It's a lot easier for me to 
process. That's most of what Cause I it, like. Is ghee dairy? I think it has. it's had the lactose taken out of it. Clarified butter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I feel like it's got so, the... And you, you said you were trying to stay doesn't have, from dairy. So. Yeah, and it doesn't have the impurities, too. So mm. I think that's why it's smoke point. It's so high, there's nothing in it to burn. 485. Yeah. yeah. Fahrenheit. So that's what I usually do. If I'm, like, roasting something heavy, I'll use ghee. But otherwise, I like coconut oil. Yeah, best. yeah, uh, this one, I don't know. That's hotter than the temperature My at which paper burns. My resources say coconut oil 350, <laughs> but that's extra virgin, and olive oil is 375, which is interesting because usually mm-hmm. I see coconut oil at a higher, but I'm, hmm. I guess I'm wrong. Yeah, 350, wow, coconut oil is actually lower than I thought. So Yeah, so I think I had it overheated. Yeah, yeah, but, but if you get something like mm, a refined coconut oil mm-hmm. then it that makes, makes it higher actually mm-hmm. so what was the first thing said beef taro beef tallow tallow tallow, tallow oh yeah tallow animal tallow you used to have tallow tallow candles oh really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's make the room smell like beef yeah Yum. so just like grab that and you the can best cook scented in that. candle yeah. yeah bacon where fat, do you, you know where do you usually get or something you have to make. Uh, that's a great question. You can maybe buy it at the store. Honestly, what I do is I make bone broth and okay, I that's what's fat. Right, you yeah. can make. Okay. So I skim the fat off once it cools, and then I cook in that fat. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So. I want to start making bone broth, so that's my like next big, big awesome. thing because I do love the. It's it, to me. This is like just a, a another aside. Uh, bone broth is super helpful for like a midday like pick me up. With energy because it's got like that little protein mm-hmm. for so like that's what i would tend to do is in like have a very very light lunch and then sip a little bone broth at uh. like 3 30 4 instead of like you know reaching for like caffeine or something like that just get a little bit of that nice so, that's super, and it's always like i would heat it up in a mug like i was drinking coffee and just sip on a little bone mm. broth huh. so i'm wanting to start to get some actual stuff because the stuff i was buying from the store is very like it's expensive. weird in the fact it's expensive, and it's also like the, st- the stuff that I was finding was not very flavorful either. I feel like for bone broth, it should have a little bit more to it. Yeah. It felt very watery. Yeah. Yeah, the funny thing with bone broth, like you'll get people who have this whole long recipe, and it's like all these mm-hmm. carrots and celery and garlic mm-hmm. and herbs and da 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 and then you just throw it out, and you keep the bone broth. Like you keep the broth, but you throw out all the mm-hmm. vegetables. I'm like, that's pointless. So mm-hmm. just make a simple a simple broth, and if you want, turn it into soup and then use the vegetables. Um, mm-hmm. But you can flavor bone broth sufficiently with herbs and spices. Yeah. You don't need, you know. Like some whole peppercorns or like allspice berries. Yeah. That's what I would lean yeah. towards. Now, I know like the carrots and the celery, like they give a good flavor, mm-hmm. but to me, the, it's not worth using pounds of vegetables to mm, yeah. throw out, you know. Yeah, that doesn't like wasteful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Going back to diet and, and setting grains. baseline, yeah. Some people, well, some people can't do grains, right? Uh, particularly those with autoimmune mm-hmm. health issues. Um, nuts and seeds, too, maybe nightshades, like tomatoes, peppers, uh, white potatoes, and eggplant. eggplant. Yeah. And those are all nightshades, is that what? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. I've never, I haven't heard that term before, nightshade. Nightshade. I, did, I never heard. There are a lot of food terms that I never heard until I was married to her. But yeah, yeah nightshade. Is, is it just referring to like things that grow in the dark? or? No. No, they have a skin, I think. Because it's like tomatoes, oh, eggplants. Tomatoes, yeah. eggplants, peppers, white potatoes. Peppers, white potatoes. Yeah. But they... Uh, I think it has something to do with like the skin, the way that the skin... Mm-hmm is composed of or mm, i no? don't know about that but i do know that the plants produce these these compounds that some people get reactions to leptins mm-hmm. no, no 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 
Um, but I mean, I could look that up too. No, you don't have to. No, okay. People can look it up on their own. Yeah, well, there we go. Um, but they have issues with night shades. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and everyone's different, you know. It, it, mm-hmm. And this, for those listening, this is where it comes down to you are your own person. You are mm-hmm. you have your own body. You're different from everyone. Your own advocate. Yeah. While you are your own advocate, your best advocate for health, um, you need to become that. But when it comes to choosing the right diet, like it's trial and error. If you notice that your body, you have body pain because of tomatoes or because of peppers or, mm-hmm. you know, consider nightshades. Mm-hmm. If you find that you have no health issues whatsoever when you eat those, or your health issues don't change, then I would say they're probably not a problem keep mm-hmm. eating them. Because when you when you eat a diet, what you want is is the greatest variety of fruits and vegetables and you know, mm. meats, nuts, seeds, all of that. The the greater the variety, the better your body is. Because what you're doing is you're feeding your gut microbiome. So I don't know you know a lot well, I don't know. I question how much you know, because I talk to you a lot about this, but we'll see. All ask, right. ask any questions. For our listener. Yeah, so we have a gut microbiome, and basically it's it's constructed um, or made up of different microbes. So bacteria, different funguses, maybe protozoa, like, um, and they create a barrier and they protect our body from foreign invaders. Okay, so if we look at the large intestine, let's say we have a thing called tight junctions, and when stressors come into our environment, into our body, those tight junctions get loose. Now, the GI tract is outside the body, okay, and everything else is inside, so your organs, your blood, you know, all of that, bones, and when we eat certain foods, the reason why people with autoimmune will get inflammation is because those tight junctions are loose, and food that is outside the body, and the GI tract goes inside the body and causes inflammation. The body says invader, you know, foreign invader, let's get rid of it. And that's why you get inflammation. So it's really important to heal uh, the tight junctions. But the tight junctions are, are loose because of those stressors. Why are those stressors getting in the way? Well, your, your gut lining is probably mm. impaired. And those microbes, they create a, mu- a mucosal layering, uh, mm. which, which kind of protects your, your large intestine, which protects your intestinal tract. Um, we have a microbiome in our skin, you know, in our oral cavity mm-hmm. or uh, in our mouth, rather. Mm-hmm. For the layman. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, but, but mm-hmm. we have esophageal microbiome. Like, they're discovering mm-hmm. that we have these bacteria that help us survive, that protect us, that are our immune system. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's really important to um, make sure you have a healthy gut microbiome. How do you do that? You eat a whole foods healthy diet. You make sure things are properly prepared. You make sure you are um, cognizant of what is being put in your food and on your food. You know, it's really important to read your ingredient labels, to look at your nutrition facts. Um, If you're looking for things like sugar, uh, by the way, it could be natural sugar, that's okay. You always Mm -hmm. wanna look at the ingredient list. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. that's, that's your biggest help. Um, But you wanna, yeah, avoid the GMOs, avoid the mm-hmm. uh, pesticides, the herbicides, eat more organic. And it can get expensive. That's why you want to look at things like the Dirty Dozen list and the Clean 15. So Dirty Dozen is these foods have the highest amounts of pesticides and herbicides. And oftentimes every year I see strawberries at the top, mm-hmm. which is why I just mm-hmm. cannot bring myself to eat a non-organic mm-hmm. strawberry because I'm like, okay, they've tested, I think, like 21 different pesticides mm. in, stra- in one strawberry, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and isn't it like the Dirty Dozen often wind up being foods that you eat with the skin? 
Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so, mm-hmm. with the skin. It's like porous. whatever pesticides get sprayed on them. Or stalled them. It's yeah. not like you they get peeled or processed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you just eat it with that on it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So celery, mm-hmm. strawberries, I mean berries in general. Um, the, the interesting thing is, and you guys can look this up on Environmental Working Group, uh, the Queen 15 and Dirty Dozen list group, uh, 30 dozen lists because they change annually. But um, the dirty dozen list is, like you said, it has a peel. So bananas, mangoes. Um, the dirty dozen list has a peel? 15. Okay, I was going to say. Um, but the interesting thing is cruciferous vegetables, and I don't know if it's their genetic makeup or what. Cauliflower. Cauliflower, yeah. Broccoli. Yep. Mm. You guys know what other brassica or cruciferous vegetables? Yeah, I was going to say brassica. Well, like what examples? Do you know like what? Yeah, an example of a brassica. Why well, I gave two, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning broccoli. this word as so, we go. Uh, so, broccoli. Dan, take it from here. Broccoli, like it's just a version yep. of broccoli. Yep. That's kind of uh, stir fry broccoli. Cabbage. I, I was oh, going to yeah, say cabbage some. next. Yeah. Brussels sprouts. Yeah, Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts. Asparagus. Um, no, no. No, I thought they both were. No. Oh. No. Yeah. I think. Uh, bok choy might be. Kohlrabi? Yeah, very good. Mm, like all the different yeah. types of cabbage would be as well. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. but Swamp cabbage? Mm, I was thinking red cabbage. Yeah, what is swamp cabbage? You guys, do you know what swamp cabbage no. is? So swamp cabbage, I'm guessing, would definitely not be one of these because it's just, uh, it's also swamp. hearts of palm. If you're really rich, you oh. call it hearts of palm. Oh, oh I've had it. Yeah, I've yeah. hearts of palm everywhere. Yeah. Well, apparently we're really rich because I never call it, it swamp is cabbage. apparently a, a, well, okay, bougie instead of rich, maybe. Because there is a distinction, but uh, okay, if you're if you're broke, mm-hmm. then you just go out into the swamp, into the palmetto fields, and like you can just go out there with a hatchet and cut yourself a bunch of hearts of palm. See, that's what I was saying. It's like, well, I also cabbage. I didn't grow up in a swamp though, so I feel like that might yeah. be why I didn't call it swamp cabbage. I mean, my we didn't my have grandpa would do that. My dad's yeah. dad would do that, mm-hmm. and uh, but then you go to a restaurant, and it's like super. It is it's like poor people food. You know, but then you go to a restaurant and they call it Hearts of Palm, and it's like you know fifteen dollars for a side of it. It's so good. It's expensive at the store though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is weird. You should just get a sharp hatchet and go out in the swamp. (laughs) Our family would do something like that, but with mushroom, we would go mushroom hunting, and we would find morel mushrooms, like by the dozen. And those things, like freeze dried, are like thirty, forty bucks. So my grandma would have a basket of like. 20 pounds of morel mushrooms. Jeez. And I'm like, dude, and I tell her, I'm like, that's like $200 worth of mushrooms. And she's like, yeah, we're just going to fry them up and eat them. I'm like, that's an awesome nice. childhood. They were the best. And like, yeah. they're look, and it's not just like, oh, they look like, they're morel mushrooms. Wait, where was this? Uh, up in uh, uh-huh. Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, southern Ohio. Wow. They're like fields, that, it was literally like just behind the house of where the, we grew up, there was mushroom nice. patch. And they, and she guarded the secret because she knew where like mushroom patches where she would go. And you'd mm-hmm. find like five or six of them. And mm. fry them up, and it's delicious, fresh, like freshly picked. Isn't it? Don't uh, lobsters have that same kind of story where it's like they used to be poor people food? Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they were like giant sea like cockroaches. Like organs yeah. and, and yeah. shellfish. Yeah, now yeah. Like it was marketing is. that yeah. made them to be the rich Or um, food. what, uh, asabuco, right? Asabuco. Oh, so yeah, same thing. That, I haven't had I got that from uh, the coral reef at Epcot. Oh, yeah. Ooh. All these, it's it's like either parts of cows mm-hmm. that you used to throw away or plants that used to just be garbage mm-hmm. or like lobsters, bottom feeders. And everyone, you know, is super cheap. Um, but then it kind of became a 
just socially became mm-hmm. yeah yeah over polenta we mm-hmm. got it over polenta anyway mm-hmm. yeah it, it just socially became a, a mm-hmm. hoity-toity kind of mm-hmm. food item anyway mm-hmm. uh all this to say Cruciferous vegetables. Oh yeah, thank you. I was like, okay, now I've <laughs> lost. Yeah, I like, I don't <laughs> tangents within. I'm like tangents. I keep remembering where we are. I've lost it. Um, so for some reason they're not, in general, from what I've seen, they're not on the dirty dozen list. They're mm, on the clean mm-hmm. fifteen. Mm. So I guess they just don't absorb. You don't peel your broccoli uh, before you eat it. No, no, I don't. I do grate my cauliflower though. Yeah. Mm. Like the top layer that has the dirt on it, I'll just microplane the top huh. and Whoa. chop it up. This guy Maybe just because I'm just row. like paranoid or something. No, that's okay. You that's know. funny. Yeah. Eh, nice baby. Um, it's pretty quick and I don't take too much off. It's just like a quick grate over yeah. the top Like layer. a Parmesan cheese. Yeah, kind of like that. Italian dish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know. Those are just really great resources when mm-hmm. it comes to looking for healthier healthier mm-hmm. food options. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else on that. Uh, and you know, free okay, mm-hmm. so free range meats, uh, mm-hmm. free range chicken, um, grass fed. And you'll hear people say, you know, you want grass fed, grass finished, but sometimes it's really hard to find that. And it, mm-hmm. you know, from a beef, less expensive, yeah, not grass fed chicken, no, no, but I mean, chickens do eat, uh, like you can have a bunch of leftovers from your garden, give them to the chickens, and they'll eat mm. it. What's the, I feel like I, I, I used to know this, but I feel like there's one term that's good and one term that's misleading, like cage free versus free range. Which one's the right one? Because I don't want to support cage chickens. Free anymore. range. Free range? Free okay, range. good. That's free what range I was thinking. Because there's one that just means like, like, uh, like they, they, they're allowed to be outside for like five minutes and then they can classify that, but they spend the rest of the time like in cage. And so it's kind of misleading the term. Yeah. So that's that's also helpful, and at least when I've been able to find, I've been able to find some like free range stuff that's not super super expensive, mm-hmm. um, and it is better quality too. All the, mm-hmm. yeah. So why do you guys think that's so important that they're grass fed, that they're free range? For me, the free range thing, especially with chickens, is the way that we're raising the amount of chickens is inhumane, or not inhumane in the sense of like they need to be treated like people, but they need to be treated as we're appropriately stewarding God's creation. We shouldn't be shoving them. So yeah. much together that they're terrified and screaming their whole life. That kind of gets depressed. And that, that goes in more than just eggs, too, like chicken. It, it gets tough because it's hard to, like, it, it takes a lot of effort to, to not kind of support that. But I think when you, like, to me, when I see chicken farms where they do that, it does seem... Kind of yeah. Upton Sinclair-esque. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't seem like it's that, like, I know they claim, like, it, it's necessary because the amount of chickens are doing, it doesn't seem that necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it does seem Well, like it's it's necessary if you want to keep the amount and style of consumption that we have going now mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think that that's really a um, noble mm-hmm. goal to be striving for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting thought. Um, mm-hmm. Listening to something the other day, but... Our standard American diet, you know, we tend to eat two to 3,000 calories a day. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a scientist, doctor, doing studies on Tanzanian people. Dr. Um, scientist? Uh, I think I've heard of him. Yes. Well, yeah. Let's keep calling Dr. Scientist. Dr. Scientist. Okay. Dr. Scientist. <laughs> yes. He was doing uh, research on the Tanzanian? Tanzanian. Tanzanian. Would you say Tanzanian? Tanzanian, I think. Tanzanian tribes. Um, and he found that their 
you know, they were exerting a lot more energy. And so they were burning a lot more calories, but their intake was still two to 3000. They didn't need like tons. And so mm -hmm. here in America, we think, oh, I just, you know, I just ran five miles or I just did workout. I need to eat a lot of food. I need to eat, you know, 4,000 mm -hmm. calories or something when really to sustain a healthy body and to sustain a, a, mm -hmm. a moderate amount of energy, you know, high energy levels, mm -hmm. even you don't need that much. Mm. So what are they saying that you do need? Um, well, for, for their lifestyle. Instead of between two and 3,000. For, would, for their uh, lifestyle, two to 3,000. Okay. So cut yeah. ours back probably like 15 to two. To two calories? 1,500 to Between 200. two and 15 calories. You heard it here 1,500 to 2,000 calories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That makes I sense. think it also, like, I, I like the, the emphasis that everyone is unique. And I think that, yeah. that that's why it's like, well, why, you know, the question like, there's so many different diets. Why hasn't there been just one singular answer? Because one singular answer is going to yeah. fit. So for calories, it's like when they throw out, here's a cal this many calorie diet of what you need. It's like not everybody might need that. Yeah. I'm not doing the same thing as a construction worker. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sitting down less than I want. What I found when I went on the gut reset was my appetite drastically changed where um, I was eating foods that were good and nutritionally valuable mm -hmm. instead of being empty. Mm -hmm. And I was struggling to eat more than two meals a day because mm -hmm. I was like, I am, I would be, I would eat like, the breakfast at around like 11, 12 or something like yeah. that. And then I would eat breakfast you know, like, at 12. That's lunch. That's true. It was the first meal of the day. Cause I was doing Super intermittent fasting, which is something we can, we can, we yeah, can we'll, we'll delve into different that. diets than I am. Yeah. Um, so I would eat that and then I would eat like the, the second one. And then for, you know, then would, so that would, the second meal I would eat would be like around like three or four or something like that. Like it would be like more snacky light. Mm. And then I would struggle to eat anything after that. So it would be from like uh, four or five o'clock. This was when I first started. It's kind of adjusted. Then it would just struggle to eat past then because I think my diet adjusted because I wasn't eating a lot of stuff that was stimulating diets artificially. Mm -hmm. So it was my diet was catching up to what I actually needed versus what my body thought it needed. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I kind of described it. Um, so I think that's interesting too because I'm like, well, if I'm sitting all day in the office and I'm not moving, do yeah. I really need to be taking in more calories than with what's the natural status of the yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that uh, accounting for everyone's individual mm -hmm. uh, life experience, you know, as far as what they do for a living um, is a big deal. And then also, I mean, I don't know if this is more what you were talking about, Nicole, but um, talking about like ethnicities or maybe not even ethnicities so much as like regions um, mm -hmm. from which people came. Because, you know, if you have uh, the people of Tanzania, something, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, you're going to have a lot of hunter-gatherer types of uh, groups. If you have the Inuit, like that's a group mm -hmm. of people that barely have any plant matter in their diet. Mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. very high fat and it's almost all animal uh, protein, animal products. Organ and then meats. you have, yeah, you might have other people that are, are like, okay, Mongolians. And it's mm -hmm. like meat, butter, mm -hmm. um, milk, because they're, they have a nomadic lifestyle. So you have everything mm -hmm. from foraging to pastoral nomads, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, we're speaking as three uh, descendants of Europeans. I mean, mm -hmm. that that's going to have an effect on us versus if we were from East Asia. Um, our the ease with which we process dairy, and the ease with which we uh, process like rice is going to to vary mm -hmm. uh, a lot. And isn't it isn't it that a lot of East Asians have a very hard time digesting dairy because they're not a very dairy heavy. The culture. crazy yeah. thing is in when yeah. I took, when I started studying anthropology because I thought I wanted to go in that direction. I still kind of do. I love, oh, love cultural anthropology. anthropology. Um, the it, I could be wrong on this, so if anyone wants to fact check me, 
but the global norm is yeah. lactose intolerance. Yeah. yeah. It's a yeah. mutation to be lactose tolerant yeah. as like, an adult. I, well, I think it's less than but, 30%. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because if you think about, um, okay, so one of the greatest things that you want to add into your diet, if you don't have issues with FODMAPs, um, look them up, F-O-D-M-A-P-S. But mm-hmm. um, if you don't have issues with those, fermented foods. And one of the forms of fermented foods is dairy, but dairy in cheese form or cultured form, because milk is basically sugar water. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the, is it kefir? Kefir. Is that the fermented dairy? Uh, you can do water kefir or milk water kefir. kefir. Okay. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so if you look at uh, European countries, you know, if you look at France, if you look at maybe Germany, but maybe, uh, I guess, Italy Sauerkraut. too. Yeah, right. Uh, they, perfect pronunciation. you know, they, they, um, survived and thrived off of cheeses, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so when you get people with, with that background, like their ability to handle cheese is, is much better tolerated than like you said, Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, yeah, like mm-hmm. I know genetics play a part in health and disease. Uh, but you can turn them off epigenetics. However, you need to play with your genetics. So like if you are of Asian descent, then perhaps you don't tolerate dairy very much, you know, very Mm -hmm. well. And so it's always Mm -hmm. important to consider that when you're thinking about what diet might be right for you. Mm -hmm. And is the correct me if I'm wrong, cheese is because of the process it goes through. Is is it less like straight up lactose? I heard Jesus say that again. (laughs) Cheeses. Cheeses, as in the process that it goes through, like it dissolves a lot of light or like eats through a lot of the lactose or something like that. Or is that, am I wrong on that? Yeah. So the thing question because it's being processed. So it's not a hundred percent just milk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the great thing about cultured produce, cultured veggies, cultured, yeah. um, you know, foods in general is they typically have probiotics mm-hmm. and they have enzymes because the probiotics produce enzymes. Mm-hmm. Um, and something like, uh, something like um, fermented vegetables have an acidic culture. And mm-hmm. so you're getting the acid to break down your food. You're getting the enzyme to break down your food and you're getting the, the microbes to mm-hmm. kind of orchestrate it all. So um, with, with cheeses, it's possible that I, I think like the, you know, you're culturing it. So the microbes, they grow and they make it fermented. They have mm-hmm. to eat a type of sugar. So lactose is that sugar. Mm-hmm. One of them Cause I think lactobacillus eat. specifically eats lactose sugar. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Or produces the lactase enzyme to help it get yeah, it down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, for me, like I, I, I mentioned that I'm dairy free and I enjoy that, but cheese for me doesn't cause a reaction. If it's un, if it's not like the processed cheese, if it's good cheese, like mm-hmm. American cheese, is going to cause a problem for me. But I've noticed like adding a little bit of cheese back in, and it's been fine. Like I haven't had a problem like with it's that. Smoked. Yeah. yeah. Versus like if I drank milk, I'm going to have big issues. Mm-hmm. Like if I just drank straight milk. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's why I was asking. It's like. I've found for me specifically, um, a lot of cheeses is not, I'm not going to have a rat. Even if I have like a, like a handful of feta, I'm not going to have as much of an issue. I know that's goat and so that's a little bit different. Could be sheep, could be goat, could be cow. Yeah. But that's one of the things I've, and again, and that goes back to the whole point about individual, like it's got to be up to you or it's, you've got to, I think the biggest thing I've noticed is paying attention, being Mm -hmm. mindful of food. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a thing that I haven't seen a lot of people just paying it, not, not even like. I'm going to structure my diet and study all those things, just paying attention to what you're eating mm-hmm. and being and thinking, this is what I'm going to put, I'm going to consume um, and being mindful about it. I think that make, that that alone makes a huge difference. Yeah. That's one of the reasons people talk about how like, you know, this person might try a keto diet and the other person might try low carb, 
Yeah, and the other person might try, you know, low fat or whatever. And a lot of people will see good results from a lot of those things. And really the common denominator is intentionality. Mm-hmm. Like they just mm-hmm. stopped eating whatever was in front of them. Yeah. And they started, you know, having that, that little bit of pause mm-hmm. between seeing and buying or seeing and partaking. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I think there's a theological aspect behind that of, we're not just consuming yeah. whatever, we're not thinking mindful. about it. But yeah. if we're good stewards, if we're if we're good steward, if we're trying to be good stewards of our body and treating our bodies as it's the um, image of God, and as for those who are Christian, is the, now the temple of God, mm. and then also the aspect of being good stewards of the world. Of for mm. me, there's like I do love fast food, but there is a little bit of guilt there. One of the reasons why we have chicken farms that we do is because. That's the reason why they can sell chicken nuggets. One dollar McChicken. Yeah, that's yeah. the reason why you can because it's cheaper to to farm a bunch of chickens that way, and then that's why you could like because that's the thing, the thing we don't question. Why can you get a burger for a dollar? That seems super cheap for me. Mm. Well, that's one of the reasons yeah, that cost cutting measures. Yeah. I've got I've got three things that I need to go back to. So, um, uh, so real cruciferous quick. vegetables. No, not oh. not that. So, <laughs> um, talking about uh, why grain. Grain-fed animals Mm -hmm. are a bad idea to consume and also just the way that they're raised. Um, Also, dairy. So let me jump on this. I just want to remind you guys Mm -hmm. of that. can't remember the third point. But um, when it comes to dairy, typically people will do better with goat cheese. Mm -hmm. They can't do cow's dairy. But if you guys notice, there's this new milk coming out on the shelves, and it's A2. So A2 cattle, Mm -hmm. A2 genetics, Mm -hmm. there's A1, A2. A1 is more inflammatory, we found, Mm -hmm. to the typical human body Mm -hmm. and so they're finding old european dairy from a1 cattle is more inflammatory okay so what's the difference between a1 and a2 cattle it's it's the uh i'm i'm honestly not sure like scientifically but the a2 genetics that like you find that it's it's a casein it's a1 sorry it's a1 casein Mm -hmm. And A2 casein. And so more, well, casein is in dairy and people have issues with casein. Mm -hmm. But if it's A2, you have fewer issues. So we find A2 in goat. We find A2 in sheep. Mm -hmm. And now we have, you know, we're kind of differentiating and we're noticing, okay, old, old world cattle, would you say? Mm -hmm. European cattle. Mm -hmm. Those are more A2. Oh, okay. And so that's where you kind of want to play around and go, well, maybe I have an issue with this milk. Maybe Mm. I don't have an issue with that milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Mm. With the... Is this like you you just go to the grocery store and you would see it on the... On the gallon? On the carton. say A1, A2? Usually it's organic A2. Um, Okay. But then uh, going back to diets with with like grain-fed chickens, grain-fed cows... And also how they're raised. If they're mm-hmm. raised in a very small space, they're they're going to have a poor life. They're going to have a high mm-hmm. parasite load. So the meat mm-hmm. is is sick, if you will. But then grain, grain has a very high omega six mm-hmm. count, and so we we need our omega threes to be higher. A lot of us have a very mm-hmm. poor ratio when it comes to our omega threes, omega sixes. So when your omega threes are really low, that's when your body is in a higher state of inflammation. But omega threes, mm-hmm. um, they lower inflammation right mm-hmm. so if you're giving grain to animals what does that do to the meat mm. does that make sense mm-hmm. it drives their omega-6 ratio up and mm-hmm. their omega-3 ratio down mm-hmm. and and we're trying to drive our omega-3 ratio up so if we have grass fed grain uh, grass finished cows if we have you mm-hmm. know free range 
um, grain-free chickens, like that makes for a, a very healthy omega-3, omega-6 balance, which is good for us because if we're eating grain, you know, we're eating mm -hmm. a bunch of crappy foods, like we need to make sure we're mm -hmm. cognizant about that. Mm. Yeah, this is why people are always, doctors are always saying, oh, take an omega-3, take a fish oil because we just don't have enough in our diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> so that was something else. Mm -hmm. And then there was something else. Yeah, like those deficiencies can be really important, but something we don't realize, like uh, radiation fallout, this is me being a nerd, is if you, I learned this recently because I was got really sucked into the Chernobyl miniseries about nice. what happened at Chernobyl, and the way that uh, part of radiation sickness works is then there's a lot of radiated ion, in, or uh, radiated iodine in the air, your body, it'll go into your body, and if you don't, if you're ion, um, iodine deficient, your body will absorb that thinking it's iodine that it needs, and it's radioactive, and it yeah. starts to decay, like, it causes radiation sickness and cancer. Yes. If you have enough iodine in your system, your body, it'll just go right through your body, your body won't take it, because it's like, mm. I have enough of that, and mm. you, you're fine. So literally one of the things, like, the first thing you do is, like, take iodine pills, and, like, so after watching the series, the first ah. thing you do is, like, I need to get some fish or some sushi or something, because I need to stock <laughs> up on that iodine. Kelp. Just in case, yeah, yeah, the yeah. nuclear meltdown. Because that's something we're living in. It's like, and not necessarily there's like radiation everywhere, but mm. kind of, yeah. Like we've had a lot of radiation things that have things that never occurred on this earth that recently did in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that might be an interesting thing to think through. We've created poisonous environments that we cannot, yeah, get out of. You yeah. know, like our our earth. So corruption of the world like our earth is sick we are sick we are there is sin and it is ubiquitous and mm -hmm. so there's never going to be perfect water perfect air perfect mm -hmm. food um and that's that's just not mm -hmm. going to be um mm -hmm. you know restored until mm -hmm. the lord returns and creates a new earth he creates a new right. earth because this earth is sick so that's right. um we have a berkey which filters out a lot of heavy metals and mm -hmm. um uh, water know, parasites filter. things like that uh it's a sort of a purification system is it raining oh. um yeah yes. so mm -hmm. the thing is it it can't get like radioactive elements out like mm -hmm. there are things that it, it cannot filter out mm -hmm. so you're right yeah and and we need to make sure our our vitamins and mineral levels are at their highest and we need to make sure our our gut microbiome our immune system is at its highest yeah. but that is very difficult to do mm -hmm. so um we cannot get that just from a diet that's why we have these companies that come out with products that's why you've got and i don't want to name any but you know just different direct sales companies mm -hmm. that come out with different products and mm -hmm. um trying to enhance our, our foods but overall honestly when it comes to diet there are some things that we just we should take exogenously um and that's vitamin d that's magnesium um, I'm trying to think of what's the, other ones. the definition of exogenously, uh, like in a supplement. I see, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean when I say that. I'm not sure. If um, correctly is that. you think you need to take vitamin D exogenously? I think or, in uh, supplement you don't, form. You don't think it's uh, you can get sufficient levels just from, especially like living in Florida. I was gonna say for like where you live, because my family, Pacific Northwest, like they take they never see the sun. You don't. Yeah. 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 Some people do not absorb it well from the sun. Yeah, all that so sense. yeah, so it's it's best taken internally. Okay, so the whole point of all of this is that we need to focus on, like I said, diet, but we mm -hmm. need to focus on our gut and we need to focus on detoxification. Okay, mm -hmm. so we are inundated with stressors all day long, every day, and we have 
we have a body that has a liver that can process through these, but it's become so inundated that it cannot take the load. And so what happens is it, it reaches kind of maximum capacity and we, we get things like fatty liver, we get liver disease, liver cancer, you know, we get other cancers, we get autoimmune, we get just a number of health issues. So this is why I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of detoxification because it, when you detoxify your body, you're removing the things that don't belong, which enables the body to function because our bodies are naturally able to heal itself. It's like a, like a, a cut, you know, mm -hmm. the platelets will go and it'll bind it up. And in a few days mm -hmm. it's gone. Mm -hmm. And if our, bodies can heal themselves why are they not it's because of the toxic substances it's because mm -hmm. of the poor diets you know um or so if it's like you're ongoingly cutting the same spot mm. that's kind of the way i think of it too is yes. if you're continuing the same habit eating yeah. the same food that's causing you trouble and you're just continuing to open to keep yeah. the wound open yeah mm. so touching on the the tight junctions again with like leaky gut right when your tight junctions are loose causing food to go into the body from outside from your gut if you keep eating the same food, you're like, ah, oh, man, I have this, I have this, uh, I don't know, autoimmune disease that I got and I just cannot get rid of it. I'm taking all the medications, you know, I'm, I'm trying X, Y, Z. Well, let's say gluten is a big proponent as to why you're getting leaky gut. There's a, there's a compound called zonulin from gluten and it will actually cause uh, loosening of your tight junctions mm. from wheat. And so that's another reason why I'm not a big fan of eating wheat. Now, maybe, you know, everything in moderation, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you want, you want to be eliminating that wheat because if it just keeps cutting you, right? Mm -hmm. Or it keeps uh, causing a loosening of the tight junctions, then you're just not going to get better. You've mm -hmm. got to remove the source. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about diets. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about IF. Oh yeah, what's what's better, eating or not eating? You go with eating. Yeah. I oh, I would say feel better with that. The abbreviation. When I'm oh. eating. Inter intermittent fasting. Oh, I went to international festival maybe because I just got always Epcot on the brain. Oh, so. it was like I feast. I, I feast. I feast. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so intermittent fasting. Okay, so. Dan, this is what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Is intermittent fasting. I like it. A I like okay. it just for the pure sake of uh, giving the gut time, like just yeah. allowing instead of constantly putting food where your body yeah. is in the state of perpetual digestion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of taking a time to break, and it, to me, it's not that hard. It sounds intense when you first hear about it. It's not that hard to do because I think like maybe two thirds of my fasting period, intermittent fasting period, is when I'm sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I sleep eat, so <laughs> that makes it easy. Get it. Um, Lock your fridge. Mm -hmm. right. I have seen. I do have some questions about it, though, because uh, I've seen some varying opinions on what you can have during your fasting period. Mm. Um, I've seen some people say just water, and that's it. I've seen some say that um, like very, very, very either low to no calorie mm -hmm. things like um, unsweetened no milk coffee is okay. But I don't know what the what the reasoning like. What what would be considered keeping a fast and not keeping a fast? Like what would break it? Yeah. So this is also this is again just where everyone's body is different. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know the the lowest sugar carb content that you can get, the better. Mm -hmm. Some people do like a bulletproof coffee, so it's just coffee and, and mm -hmm. fat. You know, like butter or MCT oil, coconut oil, mm -hmm. um, because it can enhance the fat burning. 
Uh-huh, that would make sense. But when it comes to, is, is this too much? Is this enough? If, if you're really trying to enhance, I mean, usually people intermittently fast to enhance fat burning, um, then you want to look at your, your ketone levels. Mm -hmm. If you are producing ketones, you know, then you're in ketosis. But if, if they go down because of the, you mm -hmm. know, the carbs that you get or um, the sugars that you add, whatever, then that's telling you something. Yeah. You know? So what are you, what are you thinking about it? So I do uh, infrequent, just completely black coffee. Okay. So which mm -hmm. I think is at max like maybe under five calories or something like that. So it's not there really shouldn't be much yeah, in it. Fine. It's like ninety percent water. So that's all that I tend to do. Um, I need to. That's something that I always can, um, constantly am working with. Is I I love coffee. It's one of my favorite. Like one of my one of my favorite beverages. Beer being like up top. That's for you know because it's my hobby. Um, so, but that's a hard one because I also am not a, I'm not a fan of caffeine and I think that there needs to be more discussion about mm -hmm. caffeine and its effects. It's, I don't think it's as harmless as I think we think it is. So I want to make sure that I'm doing that and not getting pulled into the addiction side of it, which is very, it's very easy to just be like, okay, uh, like even the, this past week where it's like, I'm going to have one cup of coffee th this morning because I just want to enjoy this fresh coffee that I got. And then I'm gonna like give a two day period between that, and then like the next day it's like, oh, I really want this again, mm -hmm. and I'm like, and I and I'm telling myself like, I want it because of the flavor. That's why I want to get. I'm just craving the flavor. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you you're craving the substance that you very clearly know is programming you to crave it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I think is I don't want to, um, I don't want to just be, what's the word like beholden to mm -hmm. a substance like like mm -hmm. caffeine. But that's that's another one that's super hard because we start we just started putting it in everything and not questioning it. Caffeine, yeah, yeah, yeah. caffeine, yeah. and especially the stuff that we push to kids, which is mm -hmm. really not great for develop. Like caffeine is not great for the, your mind's development. Yeah, if you're using it like strategically, like if you're mm -hmm. using it in the morning to wake up, are there averse effects? Well, here's the thing that um, I'll get a little nerdy with caffeine here. Here's the thing that they found is. Uh, people on caffeine have higher focus. That's usually what you hear, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that there's a cutoff on that mm -hmm. because it's they have higher focus than they did when they were in withdrawal. So huh. you go through so caffeine it's like withdrawal. They have addicted themselves. And yeah. Then... So you're not you're not gaining extra focus. You're breaking the withdrawal fog, mm -hmm. and you're getting back to your normal level of focus. So the question is, because they'll say, well, people who are off caffeine are usually foggier and, and they're not as focused if people are on caffeine. Well, they're breaking a withdrawal cycle yeah. and the people who are on it actually might be less focused than they would have normally been. Mm -hmm. It takes a couple days to get reset from caffeine because there's that, but there's that cycle. So that's the thing that they've recently discovered is you're just getting back to equal. You're mm -hmm. not actually increasing your focus. Um, huh. And then, uh, so there, so that can be a little bit tough because it, 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 I mean, it is going to get blood pumping and like wake mm -hmm. you up. Also, Ca caffeine doesn't give you energy. It's not giving you anything. It robs the future it energy. It robs the... Yeah. Exactly. It blocks receptors. So it's just delaying your tired cycles and throwing off mm. your your sleep rhythms. So that... And that debt doesn't just go unpaid. It's going to come yeah. to you later. Yeah. Um, so those are the two things I think that are really important to know about caffeine is that there's the myth that it's not giving you energy. It's, it's just borrowing tomorrow's energy. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Giving the whole focus thing is it's making you more focused, but not really because the reason this is really um, to go a little more into the next yeah, nerdum. Yeah. One of the reasons that they think that the that caffeine first got developed is it 
uh, affects the minds of bees in a certain way. That a plant that produces caffeine, when the bee eats the pollen of that plant or goes to that plant, it improves the memory, the short-term memory, and the focus of that bee, so that bee then returns to that plant. Hmm. But it also addicts the bee to that plant, so the bee keeps mm -hmm. returning to that plant. And you think, oh, well, that's just like, you know, in a micro-evolutionary way, yeah. it's, it's an advantageous, but actually it starts to become a hindrance to both because the bee comes back and back addicted to that plant. There's no more pollen in that plant, so that plant no longer needs that bee there, mm -hmm. and that bee is now no longer bringing pollen, and so it's yeah. hindering the bee's performance mm. instead of helping. I thought, I thought caffeine was an insecticide. I thought it killed insects, and I think that's it why... On the insect. That's why a lot of plants have it, maybe. I think but so. is that yeah, it keeps mm -hmm. it keeps insects from And this is specifically this is specifically bees. So it's not mm -hmm. not yeah. all insects. Specifically mm -hmm. bees it bees it's are been weird shown. insects. And that's something I think more recently that they found. And so they're huh. trying to study like, is that actually a mutually beneficial thing or is it actually kind of parasitic they're on the parasitic on part. the bee. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, of the wanting its own pollination. So interesting. Hmm. Um yeah, I mean, caffeine can be such an issue. It, it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. When you're ingesting something like coffee, mm -hmm. it can really affect your adrenals negatively, mm -hmm. um, which can cause a lot of fatigue. So it's funny because it puts people in this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. They they need more energy, so they drink coffee, but it, it impairs their adrenals, and so mm -hmm. they dip and just yo-yo <coughs> when it comes mm -hmm. to that. Um, mm -hmm. One thing I learned recently I didn't know is that tea ounce per ounce can't, contains much more caffeine than coffee, but we use more coffee when we brew than we brew tea, which I thought was interesting. But tea isn't, isn't the alkaloid, so like these are alkaloids, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's theobromine, that mm -hmm. might be in chocolate, but it's a slower release. I think so. In tea. I think so. But the interesting thing, so green tea, mm -hmm. is green tea good or bad? Good. You gotta back it up, why? Because the you know, antioxidants. Because it's green. Yeah, mm -hmm. their green tea green extract. Good. Green tea extract is used in the functional medicine realm, which is like a root cause approach to health and healing for those mm -hmm. listening. Um, but green tea extract is used for like healing cancers, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying it is the only thing that's used. It's used, you know, mm -hmm. in conjunction with several other modalities. But um, it's powerful. It's strong, mm -hmm. and, and and people. I mean, you get people in Asian countries, you know, China or Japan, mm -hmm. and and they're drinking green tea. Like that helps to keep them very healthy. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't I wouldn't totally throw out all sorts of sources of caffeine. Mm -hmm. um, chocolate has caffeine. You know? I this might be TMI, but I feel like since it's a health thing, there's there should already be an understanding <laughs> that we're going to talk about. We might talk about so that might yeah. be. But I whether it's right or wrong. I, I feel like the main the main thing that I try to remember is that coffee is being a diuretic is you got to make sure that you're staying ultra hydrated. But I'll use it in small doses as a laxative as well because of that property. Yeah. So that's a way that you can use it beneficially yep. as well. Yeah. A lot of people will do that. And, and that's something also to be careful of, which you might have implemented. Maybe I said this. Mm -hmm. But when you wake up, what's like one of the first things that you drink? Water. It's become water. It was coffee. Yeah. And it's a problem, like you said, because it's a diuretic. You are sleeping the entire night. You are not drinking the mm, entire night. Mm -hmm, mm. And so you flood your body with a diuretic. Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So just drink coffee and drink water. Drink water first. Yeah. One to two glasses. Prime the pump can. is kind of what I think. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you get those, those, you know, your body's moving. You, you get to stimulate a bowel movement, perhaps. You drink mm -hmm. a cup of coffee, you stimulate another bowel mm -hmm. movement. And for me, it's like, it, again, I want to like stress that's like that infrequent thing 
Because if I'm having like frequent constipation that I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this to help move things along. If I'm frequently doing it, like, I don't want to just be like coffee, coffee, coffee. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I use this once. This is recurring. Now let's see there's something wrong diet-wise. There's a bigger yeah. issue. Let me fix the diet problem instead yeah, of just being like, oh, because just... otherwise it's just, because I like the coffee versus a, like a chemical kind yeah. of thing because it's just a natural mm-hmm. laxative. I like that. But again, it's still just, a, that, that's, if I'm doing that repeatedly, that's just a Band-Aid. It's not going to the underlying cause. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm like, if that is an issue, we need to talk about that because <laughs> like that needs to get figured out. That was it was just a was, it was like one one time recently, okay. so it's like all good now. But yeah, that was the thing. That was the first thing I did. It was like, I'm doing this for today, and then I'm looking at what the underlying like, what did I add in that mm-hmm. didn't work? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, like I'll come right out with it. So I'm the gut detox coach. You talk about poop all the time. <laughs> um, it's really important to make sure you're going to the bathroom at least two, if not three times a day. Some people think. That they're going normally, yeah. um, and you got to kind of dig deeper because normally it might be once a week, mm. and people mm. have said that mm. that's not good. Mm. You know, once a day not really good. Um, but how do you know what's not normal if, if that's been your normal? Mm-hmm. And so that's, and no one really talks about it too. So it's yeah. not like. Yeah. I've, I've never just like walked it's up to Travis and been like, hey, how much, how many times do you poop? Yeah. <laughs> In your life. <laughs> In my life? Yeah. I mean, thousands. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But it's so important because, I mean, that's, so when we're talking about detoxification, peeing, pooping, sweating, and moving your lymphatic system, like mm. those are the four ways that, that your body allows for toxins to be removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're stocked up, like that, that can make you feel really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Touching on the liver, uh, so your liver processes through everything. It works with your gallbladder. Your gallbladder mm-hmm. produces bile, uh, or or maybe it stores bile. The liver produces bile, um, mm-hmm. but bile is recycled. And so mm-hmm. when you have a, a sick liver, and you're not, you know, you, you've got like all these toxins built up, you get sludgy bile, mm-hmm. and so that whole system does mm-hmm. not work well. You're not digesting fats very well. It's when you mm-hmm. get like. Well, I can maybe another topic to talk about like what bad poop looks like, but um, is that how you would then like develop gallstones too, or is yeah, that that's else? another another okay. part. They've actually done some well, they've done a lot of research, but they found that parasites can be within gallstones. Okay. So, yeah. as Americans, as people, even if we're not living in foreign countries, we all have parasites. Unless you're actively parasite cleansing twice a year. We have parasites. Now, some people have really great immune systems that keep them in check and they don't have to worry about anything and they can eat all that they want, Travis Bergner. But then you got other people who have Lyme disease and need to be careful and mm-hmm. mitigate those. Mm-hmm. Um, but parasites are another reason why people have such an issue with dairy. Mm-hmm. So when you eat foods like sugar and dairy, parasites love those. They mm-hmm. love, love, love dairy. And so when I get a lot of people who say I have issues with dairy, I'm like, you might need to do a parasite cleanse. But who listens to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some people do. Some people are like, nah, I live in the United States. I don't have mm-hmm. parasites. Well, you know, mm-hmm. check your pulse. If it's mm-hmm. working, you have parasites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is where I go, okay, maybe you can't eat these foods right now, but do some detox- detoxing, do some cleansing, um, some eliminating of foods. And then when you when you feel that you're ready, like reintroduce them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, allergy food tests or sensitivity tests because they can be wrong mm-hmm. and I mean they can be expensive. So, mm-hmm. 
how my two cents there. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit that of makes attention. that makes sense though about parasites loving dairy because like the one of the first things that spoil when it's outside your body is dairy. Like parasites go right for like bacteria mm. and all that stuff. So it makes sense because that's like one of the more perishable foods. That's mm. a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I don't know. I've heard, uh, so I have several communities of people with chronic health issues, whether parasites, candida, SIBO, Lyme disease, uh, Epstein-Barr virus, uh, autoimmune disease, whatever. Restless leg syndrome. I'm not in that. I'm not in that. Do you have restless? I feel like you mentioned a couple times. It's like your way of saying, I, mean, I need the, some help with this. My na- my legs right now, man. They're just going. Yeah. You know, just moving them. Did you have a lot of sandwiches? I had how many? Three? I know I had too many because they, they looked good and they were trying to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had um, a lot left and left over. But well, then we, then we, yeah, then we pushed together. I was saying after like <laughs> after the first and then the second round, we had a lot left over. Yeah, we had a picnic with our youth group mm-hmm. at our church. Yeah, and it's not hard getting teenage boys to go back for seconds, thirds, and fourths. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, shoot, what was I saying about the different communities? What led me to that? Um, parasites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was talking about dairy and how it's one of the first things. It spoils, yeah. Outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. They say that they have dairy issues, and you say... Yeah, so there are people who have, like, they understand why the body is sick, and they're trying to get rid of parasites, let's say. People who have some really, really challenging um, mm-hmm. uh, conditions, mm-hmm. and some really resistant bacteria or resistant parasites, resistant um, microbes, we'll say. Mm. And so they've tried some very, I mean, I'm in that group, tried some very crazy techniques. And like one of them is a milk enema. So an enema Mm -hmm. you will administer up your butt, which by the way, caffeine, coffee, coffee is a great thing to do to flush your liver. Um, But milk enemas, I've not tried this, but what has been shown, and this uh, Dr. Klinghart, he is a Lyme specialist uh, up in Washington, I think. He's got- uh, Washington State? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's got a, he's got the, oh, shoot, some, some females name clinic. Um, mm-hmm. but he has a protocol and it involves milk enemas. And what happens. Sounds about right for Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's milk funny. Enemas. But, well, just like the more granola-y yeah. doctor-y stuff. And they've um, got good stuff. they got good stuff. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, that's not the judgmental thing. It's just like, uh, mm-hmm. there's a Washington be more open to like, oh, what are alternative ways to do things? They're just, that just seems like more, mm-hmm. especially if you're talking like Seattle. Yeah. West Western Washington, was, Eastern Washington is very different. I was thinking yeah. of Oregon and California. I guess Washington. Eastern Washington is part yeah. of Greater Idaho, right? Eastern Washington, yeah. Have you seen that? Um, that and that in Eastern Oregon, both of those are very, very. Have very you seen the, the uh, proposal for Greater Idaho? Like the eastern mm-hmm. halves of Washington and Oregon would both just easily like see become them I could part of Idaho hmm. easily. Yeah. And like we're talking like the, not eastern, like the eastern 80% of the state. Yeah. So Anything half, past the mountains, yeah. and it's about two-thirds yeah, of Washington. The Cascade regions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything past, uh, yeah, Cascades. Yeah. Cascades, Olympics. Yeah, anything past the Cascades is in it. And that's most of the state, two-thirds of the state. It's the most sparsely populated part of the state, yeah. too. But it's it all looks like a desert, mm-hmm. like the rolling hills and the dunes and then the like, prickly trees. Mm-hmm. Not what you would expect for Washington. And it's very, very different. Huh. Um, but with the milk, basically, you, you have something that will kill them within that solution, but the milk draws them out, and then you kill them. Um, Arsenic. Yeah, so 
that makes me think. So there's just this. Don't, don't take it. don't take arsenic. Don't listen to Travis. Don't yeah. take any don't. medical advice yeah. from this podcast. Yeah. Yes. I gotta reach out specifically to Nicole we, and sue her. No. <laughs> I do not treat, do not diagnose. Now, okay, this anyway. Is to be taken as medical information, by the way. If you mm. guys do choose to implement this, this is of your own volition. None of this is to be taken as medical information? Well, I'm, I'm not advising you do any of this. Mm-hmm. This is... Without first knowing you and consulting you. And or another professional you. Yeah. doctor, mm-hmm. yes. I'm not that I'm a doctor. But um, mm-hmm. there's another thing I'm, I'm researching, and uh, if you're interested, I can send it to you, Dan. Mm-hmm. But... It is the turpentine protocol, and it's it's called the Candida protocol, and it was mm-hmm. a protocol that was um, it was being sold for like eight hundred dollars. It was just a PDF, mm-hmm. but everybody was giving it out that they just mm-hmm. decided to put mm-hmm. it up for free. And basically, it is like pine oil. It's a specific type of. It should be called pine tree pine tree mm-hmm. oil because it's not your typical turpentine that you buy from the store, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there was a woman who uh, she she was trying to figure out like how to help people with chronic health issues and she found that there was like some special secret remedy that slaves would use and Mm -hmm. and because they would get sick and they don't have all this money you know Mm -hmm. and so they had to find something really cheap and uh she was she was researching and in the area where she was she had a lot of clients who were who were uh ancestors whose ancestors were slaves so she had been asking a lot of people and she came out um she found this this one woman that was in her 90s, and she was still like up and running, cleaning her house and everything. And doing some research, she discovered it was that turpentine and sugar. Hmm. And so the sugar draws the parasites out, and the turpentine kills them. Ah. And so she was experimenting. Um, like soap and apple cider vinegar for fruit flies. Hmm. Uh-huh. That's what I did. It's not as, nice. It used to be a lot more effective. I, I feel like they're getting wised up to it. Yeah. At least in my house. Yeah, so, yeah. so resistance is an issue. Yeah. Um, but... But, you know, there's a, there's a protocol to it, and, and it has worked with a lot of individuals who've been chronically ill. Um, it's cheap. So let's talk chronic illness. Mm-hmm. You know, we have all these antibiotics. We have all these medications. Medications, eh, you know, don't really work uh, to the effect of healing the body, helping mm-hmm. the body heal. Antibiotics are doing the body a great disservice because a lot of them are broad spectrum, killing the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Kind of like chemotherapy. It kills the good cells and the bad cells. Mm-hmm. We don't um, have like the smart antibiotics that go in and have like scanners to see. They're just gonna get great. rid of. They're just gonna get rid of. Yeah, that makes sense. That'd be great. But a lot of antibiotics. Like Terminator antibiotics. I just do the <laughs> scan and. <laughs> I love that. You guys know how a lot of antibiotics are like not working, or or infections come back. Mm-hmm. You guys hear about that? I know the last time I was on antibiotics, they said there there's they were doing like a there's a two year so three year period when you can't you shouldn't be on antibiotics again or something like that mm-hmm. about like the resistancy that they they can create too. I think it might be something separate. I do remember that. Yeah. They said, "Have you been on it in the last two years?" And then you're going to and then you can't go on it for the next another two years. Yeah, it, I've heard it can take at least two years after being on a I don't know maybe a month of antibiotics. It can take two years to get those colonies back to the mm-hmm. regular um, mm-hmm. size. But but there's a thing called antibiotic resistance. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is these these infections, uh, they're becoming smart. And they create biofilms. So there's a thing called quorum sensing. And that's when you get different types of bacteria, different types of mo- microbes. We'll just name them all microbes. And they speak to each other. And basically, they build a house together. And that mm-hmm. house is biofilm. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to really get to the mm-hmm. infections, 
particularly chronic infections like Lyme disease, you need to break the biofilm down. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can give the antibiotics. So let's say it's like a soldier with a shield. If you want to really stab them, yeah, you got to get the shield down. If you want to, you know, kill the people in their house because you can't, I don't know, burn them, you know, mm-hmm. maybe burn it down yeah. and then you can get to them. But you've got to Big break down wolf. that, mm. that wall first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So biofilm and it's, it's on our sur- surfaces. You'll see people selling, um, products to break down biofilm. Uh, if you research it, you'll see it more in the cleaning community. Mm-hmm. Um, scum on your shower. If you just spray hydrogen peroxide, mm-hmm. it's a miracle mm-hmm. and it's super cheap and super effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that being said, there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of alternative options that are not an arm and a leg that you can do to help your body. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you guys have any questions? We'll talk about diet another time. Well, I feel like I feel I, like the first like half of it was us talking about well, diet or whole foods at least. Other diets, mm-hmm. breaking oh. those down. I feel like I asked my questions as we went along, so I've already had like a lot of questions. Cool. I already know everything, so yeah. you know, I, I just yeah. This is just an opportunity for you to you know say what you know. There you go. <laughs> so, cool. There's tons more, but. Yeah, if, if anyone's listening, you guys have any more questions, um, you can find me on thegutdetoxcoach.com. You can also just find me on Facebook, either The Gut Detox Coach or Nicole Anderson Bergner, uh, or The Gut Detox Coach on Instagram. As of right now, who knows? That could change. But yeah, thank mm-hmm. you guys. Neat. It's been great. Thanks for listening. Yeah. For it was a lot of fun. Yeah, contributing. Love talking health. Cool. All right. Until next time. <laughs>